Coming to you from beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona, this is the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Join us as we take a deeper dive into mead and mead culture. on the drive yesterday. <laughs> Holy cannoli. Ooh, that was scary. You just summoned fucking Thor, dude. That was awesome. That was sick. I'm going to have to I'm going to I'm going to need to choose the times when I do that. Do it again. <laughs> do it again. Do it again. Oh. Someone was just running outside. Yeah, it is a it's a Stormin Norman out there right now. Do you remember Stormin Norman? I don't know that I do. Stormin Norman Schwarzkopf, the no. general for the uh, for like the Middle East wars in the nineties. No, <laughs> I should know that. Stormin Norman. Gulf War is fascinating. It was a technological advancement going on there when you have tanks that can shoot a mile and a half. It's pretty interesting. Mm. I don't know anything about that stuff. Mm. We lost zero tanks. Zero what? Tanks. Oh, that's good. My phone would have already made nine noises. Ba-ding, ba-ding, ba-ding. Yeah, this is welcome to the first podcast without my phone going off. So far. I learned how to silence it. <laughs> silence? There's a button for that. Bink. <laughs> you just talk, I'll just make noises. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. So, so we're going to be drinking a little, a little pineapple, pineapple mead. Mead. Mock. Mock. Yeah. Ing. Yeah. Oh, we got, oh that, that messed us up real good. I like the thunder in the background. I really hope it, I hope it comes through. I hope you all can hear the thunder because, oh, and you can hear my windshield being broken by the hail. Nice. <laughs> we got a storm rolling through Flagstaff right now. Finally. We get pretty excited about water here in the desert. We so do. Tucson, the, the monsoon, which is the primary source of at least like liquid water precipitation, uh, you, they, they've gotten a half inch this year. That's, uh, that's low. Yeah. Oh. That's, it's not a lot of, that's not a lot of water. Hail is now trying to come inside the metery right now. Yeah, it's pea-sized. Let's see what happens. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's pea-sized. I can't quite see outside, but I can hear it. Yeah, well, I don't know where either one of us would stick a vehicle out here anyway, so. Yeah. It's an insurance call. <laughs> All right. Well, it is starting to really come down now. I can um, actually, I can hear it in the headphones now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. We're doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So today for our podcast, we're going to be drinking a little bit of our uh, pineapple mead. Pineapple this stuff mead. is absolutely delicious. Um, I do like it with a couple of ice cubes just to, you know, 13% in the uh, middle of a day for recording a podcast. <laughs> I still got stuff to do after this. <laughs> yeah. But we're uh, not, uh, oh, that was kind of low. I didn't get the full, the full good pop sound. I could hear it. Yeah, this is a great delicious mead for, uh, for a storm right now. And now I just ruined that noise. Oh, that's all right. We got another one coming. Second chance. Here we go. Pineapple mead being poured. It is such a happy noise. Mm-hmm. Well, those are big cups. There goes a the bottle. Oh, my God. What'd you say about we got more stuff to do later today? I got shit to do today. <laughs> I can't be blind. All right, should I come to you? Okay, you're, you're gonna deliver the meat to me. Oh, I don't tip, by the way. Just I'm, I'm used to delivering, and I don't ever get tips, so it's okay. 
It's wholesale. Nobody tips on wholesale. No. You wow. It is an absolute torrent out there. Oh my god. You did get your window shut, right? Should we pause and just watch it? Oh my god. Yeah, I think we oh are. Oh my god. We're gonna pause and just watch okay, it because. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah. This is this is pretty pretty rare. So now after a. Not so brief <laughs> interruption by a giant <laughs> monsoon hailstorm. Yeah, we'll take moisture any way we can get it. Yeah, we got a uh, we got a little bit just now. Yeah, yeah, that was a good bit Holy of rain. Pretty cow, awesome. Wow, that Pretty was awesome. Dumping. How's that drain looking? Uh, it's filling up with junk. <laughs> It's mostly pine needles. Luckily, the rain has slowed. There's not six inches of water in the parking lot anymore. So yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Uh, but maybe, so yeah. Hey Nick. Hey. Have you ever had anything stolen from you? Uh, I'm sure I've had a couple things stolen from me. Uh, some things that I, I don't even know about. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Um, That's kind of an interesting thought. Yeah. Things I thought I lost, but were probably actually stolen from me. So I I grew up in Albuquerque. And uh, I remember one of my first trips as a child to somewhere that was not Albuquerque. And uh, we had to go to a shopping center or something to pick something up. And I remember sitting in the parking lot with my mom and looking at, you know, just a trash can that was in the parking lot for people to use. Like it was up against the front of the store or something like that. And I was like, Mom, how come they don't chain down their trash cans? Like, don't they know somebody's going to steal that? <laughs> so growing up in Albuquerque, I, I think I had my car broken into... I don't know, seven times hmm. and stuff stolen out of it, maybe. I don't know. But people stealing stuff suck. Yeah. And that's what part of this podcast is all about. Oh, really? Yeah, we're going to talk about bee theft. Bee theft. As well as bee vandalism. Bee vandalism, mm. which uh, can kind of go hand in hand when you're talking about your car getting uh, broken into. Yeah. And things stolen. You know, that's damage to the... I, I had my uh, windshield, or not windshield, my side window busted and had CDs stolen out. So vandalism and theft go hand in hand. So we're going to talk about, about you said bee theft? Bee theft. What in the world? What is bee theft? Bee theft. So it's it's it wasn't as prevalent as it used to be, but what it is is people are going and stealing other people's hives. Say what? Crazy. Yeah. That's wild. A lot of it is happening during like uh, pollination events when people take their bees from where they sort of normally are, quote unquote, to uh, to these pollination pollination stations. It's <laughs> like when they take them out to the almond fields in California or, you know, whatever whatever the agriculture is that they're trying to pollinate. But that seems to be a lot of a lot of where it happens is is when they're taking these bees out to go pollinate stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so so bee theft, actual stealing of the bees, well not the not the individual they're not like taking little like pillowcases and grabbing them one by one. <laughs> These are all of my bees with a pair of tweezers, just snatching them out of the air like one. ninjas. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a special skill set to steal bees. Ninja uh, skills. Seriously. Yeah, that would narrow down who could do it. Yeah. Well, it does, right? It totally does. Even the stealing, because what they're doing is they're stealing the whole hive. And like some of these stories that we've got for you, it's just like, it's kind of mind boggling the operation that you have to be able to have to steal, you know, 400 beehives or whatever. Yeah, so they're stealing the actual hives themselves, mm -hmm. uh, which contain the bees. Yes. In a sense. Well, so I, I think my first question is, is why? Um, it just seems weird to me and probably to most, if not all the listeners, that people would steal bees. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, so why? Money. 
Okay, so next question. So, <laughs> <laughs> so beehives are worth, at least currently, right now. I mean, 10 years ago, they were only worth about 35 bucks a piece. Uh, a beehive currently, because of colony collapse and some of the other issues that we're having going on, uh, beehives are worth like $200 plus per hive. So it's, hmm. they're, they're worth a fair amount. Um, and a lot of that is just like the effort that you have to put into it. You know, there's no machine that's going to raise a hive of bees for you. It takes humans getting in there, working the hive, supporting it, putting it into good spots and, and to make hives really, really strong. Um, that's not to say that a hive couldn't be strong all on its own without human interaction, but the, the effort that a, a beekeeper puts into making a strong hive is a, is a lot of work. I mean, it's a year's worth of work basically to get a hive started and get it strong. Can so, you kind of run us through just like a very, very simple outline uh, of that work? Just very simple, just maybe like three bullet points or yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you, there's different ways to go about starting a hive. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the, the method that I'm most familiar with, which, uh, Side note, I've only read about it. I've never actually performed it myself, but we're going to be, uh, we're going to be doing this next spring. Nice. Um, so what you do is you, you take basically a few frames out of a hive that is currently doing well, and it needs to have, you know, bees, eggs, the whole bit, um, preferably because it gives you the, the most amount of time. If you have like the, the eggs, larva and actual bees kind of dumped into this box basically. And then what you can do is you can, you can buy a queen and you can insert the queen into this box of bees and they'll start feeding her and they kind of sort of stick around and keep feeding her if they like her. <laughs> they keep feeding her and um, eventually you come back like three days later, you release this little queen into the hive and if they accept her, which they don't always do, um, if they accept her, then they, she goes about and starts making eggs and starts producing. And then that hive is still going to be weak. You know, you're, you're talking 5,000 bees is like what you ideally want to start a hive with if you can. Um, and then you end up moving that hive and you're not going to, you're not going to get any honey out of it for that whole year, most likely with a new hive. You're really, you're just trying to, to let them build up their community basically. And so it takes, it takes a lot of time. And so that's, that's time that you have to spend, uh, yeah, creating that hive and then feeding it. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> usually I feel like the hives are split or created over, am I right? Like late summer, early fall, uh, uh early spring is the best time. Cause best it gives time. them, yeah, it's the best time to do it is like early, early spring so that you have enough time for them to, to fly around all summer and build up their hive. Cool. And then what are some other, some other work that goes into that, that just, just kind of laying a baseline of, of the work. A lot of it's just kind of maintenance. You know, you got to go down and check it. You can have a hive that doesn't provide a lot of work for sure. But if you go down and, uh, so we had a hive that we tried to queen and, uh, didn't work. I, we tried three different queens. We kept putting queens in. We'd wait a few days, go back down, release the queen. Because while the queen is in this little cage getting like acclimated to the bees, they'll feed her this whole time. So she can stay in there for, you know, a week or something and be fed. That's actually how they're shipped is like with the queen in a box of other bees and the other bees get food and feed the queen. She apparently can't feed herself. Hmm. something along those lines. I imagine she can feed herself, but it's one of those where it's just, they start to acclimate and they feed her and, and everything seems like it's going pretty well. Like, so with our hive, the, where the queen didn't take, you'd release the queen and then you'd come back the next day and be like, Ooh, I want to see how things are going. And your queen's gone. Yeah. Um, and that's usually cause the hive decided they didn't like her so much. Uh, it could be that she left on her own accord and just decided to book it. She was like, I don't like you guys at all. You're a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> And, uh, and just kind of decided to leave. But most often the, the workers that are in there will decide they, it's not the queen for them and they kill it. So they did that. One of oh, our they highs, kill it. they kill it. They kill the queen. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just kick it out gently, but yeah. mm, 
<laughs> but uh, we had that happen a few times and we kept trying to put new queens in and eventually I was like, fine, stupid hive. We're going to just let you, we're going to let you do your own thing. Um, cause the last time I went down to go put another queen in, they were, they were requeening themselves. Um, because throughout this process, I kept having to take apart stronger hives and take eggs and take honey and take bees out of these stronger, not bees, but take eggs and honey out of the stronger hives and put them into, you know, the, this hive that we were trying to start. And, uh, and they just decided to requeen themselves in which case they make like a special chamber and then they, they not feed her just special food, but there's, there's other components in there as well. Um, but they make their own queen and, uh, it's worked out pretty well. That's also our most aggressive hive because most likely the queen just went out and mated with whatever was available out there in the wild. And, uh, so it's a, it's a pretty aggressive hive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So a lot of work goes into that. Um, and then, you know, even more than that, just taking out you know, the, the honey and, and making sure. And then if you have pests or something like that, you have to do pest control. So yeah, a lot of work, um, probably way more than what you said, $200 per hive oh, yeah, totally. goes into that, but that's the worth, um, that, uh, that, uh, who, who came up with that? Where do you get that number? Cause there's a specific thing. Yeah. So that number was pulled. Um, that's what the federal government puts the number on Hmm. that's what they say how much a hive is worth so these beekeepers can actually get like insurance they have to file all the right paperwork and it's tricky you know it's a government system where you don't you don't sign one thing and then you end up screwed at the end of the year um but you have to file paperwork initially saying how many hives you have and then at the end of the year um they put this in due to colony collapse but however many hives you've lost they'll give you you know 200 bucks per hive if you filed all your paperwork properly Hmm. um and like you said like the 200 bucks is not even close close to like, I mean, we put 200 bucks into our hive every time we go down to it. You know what I mean? Just taking, taking eight <laughs> hours and a couple people go down to work it, come back up. Like it's, yeah. you, you put a lot of money into those hives for sure. So $200 isn't even like fair compensation. It's just like the number, the number that the government has set on what a beehive is worth, um, due to recompense. Yeah. And that matches really close to the number, uh, that, that, uh, say California almond growers will pay, uh, a, a company or a beekeeper per hive. Um, even upwards, they are saying of uh, $350 a hive, uh, nowadays. And it's, it's kind of going up and up, going up and up. Like yeah. I said, hive was only worth 35 bucks in 2010 or whatever. So yeah. it's, it's, it's now worth $200. And, and that's a lot of that's due to colony collapse. And a lot of that is due to our further reliance on bees being our primary pollinator for a lot of agriculture. Yeah. And so let's continue on that. Why, why someone would steal bees with that point right there. We have come up with a farming system over the last, I don't know, like 60, 70 years where we, it's very efficient to plant one type of crop. Efficient for production. Efficient for production to plant one type of crop over a large swath of land, um, called monoculture, monocropping. And in doing so though, what we've done is we created a ecosystem that used to have diversity, used to have, you know, like maybe like, I don't know, anywhere from like four to 40 different plants on that swath of land where you would support all these native pollinators, be them bees or wasps or beetles or flies or butterflies or all these different things. If you've ever heard people talk about biodiversity and why it's important, this is a great example of it. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it was um, in our in our terms, in the biological sense, uh, a healthy ecosystem because there was diversity. Because if you take one component out or something fails, there's others to support it. It's like having multiple legs under your table if one breaks. Who has multiple legs under their table? I, mean, I was just imagining that table. It's got like eight legs and yeah. like the drunk guy kicks one off and everybody's like, ha, 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 we don't care. <laughs> yeah, it didn't fall over. Stupid drunk guy. Yeah, and then he just flips it over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, there's, there's more to support. So this monoculture, you may have one insect or, or thing that pollinates this one crop the other pollinators around that area are like, well, I'm moving out. I don't have my food source or maybe it's their habitat or their protection or whatever. They've lost that. So they skedaddle. Right. And so we've, while that's efficient production wise, what we've created is kind of a, a very slippery kind of um, situation where now let's take almonds. Cause we're going to talk about that a lot. Yeah. We're going to talk some shit about almonds. miles and miles and miles of almond trees in California. Miles. And like miles, can you even like, like it's like until you've actually like been in those almond fields, like it's hard to really comprehend what miles and miles of almond fields means. And like, we use such strong pesticides on these nowadays that there, like you said, there is no little interstitial areas where there's, there's other bugs, where there's other plants, where there's other stuff. Cause we've poisoned it all out. So it is literally ground and almond trees. Yeah. Yeah. For miles and miles. And when you have that situation where there's none of those pollinators coming around, we now have to, we, the, the industry, humans. the growing industry, humans have to bring in pollinators. And there's kind of two different ways of doing that. It's, one works and one doesn't. It's big money. Yeah. Yeah. The almond industry, um, is 7.6 billion dollar industry huge billion with a b 7.6 billion dollar industry do we grow almonds anywhere but california uh there are some i've seen in arizona but i mean mm, it's true. like a couple acres you know right it's, it's right. like for funsies yeah i have a, i have a hundred <laughs> almond trees yeah <laughs> so now there's two ways you can either uh, you know, hire your employees to go with little paintbrushes and brush all of the almond flowers, the thousands of them on each tree. Ah, the Japanese method. Yeah, just going and hitting each one of them. Um, or you can hire beekeepers or lease beehives yeah. from beekeepers, which is what is done. Yeah. And what these beekeepers do, and like we said, we're talking, you know, miles on miles. So it takes a lot of bees. So you're, you're talking, um, so... My reference from all this is from our, our honey guy, uh, from mountaintop that goes out to almond and pollinates, goes out to almond, goes out to California and pollinates the almond fields out there. And, uh, he takes one whole semi truck out, which is roughly 200 hives, I believe. And they wrap them in bee netting and then they transport these bees out there. Um, which transporting these bees all across the U S has its whole own set of problems, which we can, we can get into, but, um, but yeah. And so he said that like the, this is just one farmer that he works with and he goes in with three, I think other beekeepers that all also bring a whole semi truck full of bees out. So you're talking, you know, 600, 800 hives to pollinate just this one farm, you know, and there's multiple, multiple, multiple farms out there. And yeah, in fact, uh, I, I found that it requires over 2 million hives per season for, for the almond industry to pollinate. It was like 2.3 million hives. They bring in that. I don't, I saw, I saw another percentage out there and, and correct me if I'm wrong on there, but uh, it was something like we basically bring like 60 or 70% 
of the entire bee population of the U.S. of honeybee population of the U.S. out to California to pollinate. <laughs> that's crazy. That's so. That's what. Yeah. Next time you're at the store and you're buying almonds or almond slivers, feel bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> we're doing it, um, and and I like almonds too. Um, I, do. I do. And it's it's supporting. You know, in in a sense, we can talk about it supporting bee culture, but uh, there's also other yeah things with the pesticides and the and and the stress on the bees. Um, but uh, whether right or wrong, we're talking about why it's important to the U.S. Uh, or why it's valuable to the U.S., all these hives of bees, which then in turn means that there are people who are seeing this opportunity at $200 a hive to go out and actually um, steal these hives. And you may kind of do the mental math in your head and think it's not worth it, but for the certain type of person who can do this, it's actually kind of easy to st- it's it's weird. It's if you already easy. have the skills, yeah, it's easy to actually steal these hives, and there's not really a rigorous system. It seems like to check on 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 these operations. No, but they're working on a few. Yes, they are. We'll talk about some of the solutions yeah. in a bit. So, okay, so but it, I mean, it does require like in some of these these examples that we have. You know, it's it's a hundred hives or two hundred or five hundred being stolen, which requires a flatbed semi truck and a forklift. So like, cause you will, you, you put what they do, like when they ship the bees is you'll put, I think it's usually like four hives will fit on a pallet that they use for it. And they'll just forklift these pallets off the truck and set the pallet down. So if you come along with a forklift and a truck, you just forklift the pallet up and onto your truck. And mm-hmm. then you could just drive off with it. Like yep. it's, it, like you said, it's relatively simple. You do need the equipment. You do need the, the skill with the bees to know what you're doing with them. Um, which those factors also limit who would be doing it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And and so part of the easiness, it seems like as well, is that if, and I've, I've seen and, and heard little interviews in, in the research for this, uh, people saying that they've seen someone loading up bees onto a flatbed truck with a forklift in bee suits or whatever. And they, it's the first assumption is this person is just a beekeeper and they're loading their bees up and they're taking them. Like it's not like these people are wearing like black masks over their eyes and like ski masks and sneaking with these, like, you know, it just looks like someone grabbing their bees and loading them up. It, out in the middle of a field, they're not breaking into warehouses. It's not, there's no storefront. It's not that kind of operation. So it is kind of in a sense, again, if you have the equipment and the know-how easy to, to get away with it. Mm -hmm. You Um, have to pretty much be in the industry to want to steal them because a, you have to be able to have a purpose for them, right? You have to already have a connection somewhere that you could use these to pollinate because a lot of them are getting stolen and then used to pollinate other fields, you know, which is just like, that sucks for the beekeeper because not only are they out the the money for doing the work, they're also out the the beehive itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so very, uh, economically, uh, a good, Thing for the thief to be able to do. Um, it's a growing industry that has a lot of money put into it each uh, winter. And so those are all good reasons of why they'd want to steal it. But there's there's also another one that, that came across in the research that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. And I think this is a, it's a pretty interesting point to make because it's so easy to, when you see something vilify an individual, 
and be like, oh, this, this person's terrible. But like when we're put into situations where we don't know what else to do, people will do some crazy stuff. What we found is that it's a lot of it's beekeepers stealing beehives from other beekeepers. And most likely they're doing this because they got hit super, super hard by some sort of either colony collapse or their bees got hit by some pesticide that blew on the wind and wiped out a whole bunch of them or mm. something. And so then all of a sudden they're in this position where maybe they have a contract they need. And I'm not condoning this. I'm not saying it's okay. You steal my beehives, I'm gonna punch you in the neck. Uh, if, I, if I find somebody who says they've been stealing beehives, I'll punch them in the neck too. Don't steal other people's stuff. But I just wanted to make sure that everybody understands that like, some of these people aren't necessarily bad people. They've just been pushed into situations where they have to do things that are very unscrupulous. There's, there's some people's livelihoods. Yeah. It gets yeah. destroyed. Like you said, even again, not condoning it, but even by, like you said, pesticides being blown onto their land and killing all their hives. Um, and they were expecting that to, you know, bring in the paycheck for the summer to work their hives and stuff like that. So yeah, good point in bringing that up, uh, as a reason why it's not just necessarily greed. Sometimes, you know, people are just doing it to, to keep going, to keep alive. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, to keep alive. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so they're, they're going out, um, stealing these bees, um, mostly at night, I'm guessing. Um, when, you know, under the cloak of darkness, that's when I would do it. Stealing beehives during the day probably sucks worse. Yeah. Yeah. You want them when they're kind of sleepy time in the, in yeah, the, that's, that's when we tend to move bees anyway, whether, you know, it's a, a big beekeeper moving bees across state lines for pollination or whether it's, you know, us just moving beehives up and down in elevation to take advantage of plants. Um, we definitely, it's easier to move at night for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're talking mostly about California. Um, a lot of them. The I've, Central Valley, if you will. I've got Iowa and Texas as well. Okay. And then close to home, uh, I found a couple cases in Arizona. So yeah. even though it's not isolated to California, I think the majority is there because of all the food that's being grown. Um, but you have a couple other cases. Yeah, I've got, uh, and some of those are some of those are more along the vandalism line. I think the mm -hmm. the most bee theft that's been going on, at least that I was able to find. You're right. Was was California and Arizona here. Um, yeah. California, because that's what we could find online about it in the research for this. And Arizona, because we know people <laughs> that have had hives <laughs> stolen. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's where our podcast, Meadcast, is coming from. Meadcast, 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 oh, yeah. Meadcast. Shit. So, welcome to the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Meadcast, 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 Meadcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that Central Valley, California is being hit pretty hard between 2016 and 2017. There was just over 1,700 hives, at least reported stolen. So who knows if that number is, you know, lowballed or not? Did you see the number for 2015? I didn't. Oh, it was like a hundred or something. Hundred. Yeah. <laughs> so this is something, and I, and I mean, the the colony collapse stuff has become a huge issue in the last five years. You know, it's a uh, universally between 2018 to 2019 over the winter. Ooh, or was it 2019, 2020? whatever. It was either 18 to 19 or 19 to 20. Um, as a whole, the bee industry lost 40% of its hives. Mm. That's wow. a big chunk. That should scare you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big chunk. Makes, it makes me pee in my pants a little bit. So that's, uh. that's a crazy number. Imagine if we lost 40% of our cattle over winter one year. Yeah. Us? I don't have cattle, so it'd be zero loss. Okay. Well, yeah, me neither. But you know, just <laughs> as a as a as a country, if yeah, we yeah, lost yeah. forty percent of anything over one winter, people would be freaking out. But like with the bees, it's like, oh, maybe there's a problem. We like we like freak out within our own little echo chambers. I'm freaking out, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's uh, we're talking about. You know, a, a third of our food is pollinated by these these specifically these honeybees. Yeah, and so we're um, yeah yeah we got we got to watch out. We got to be careful. And so yeah, it's putting some pressure with colony collapse. Uh, it does seem to be a growing trend. Yes, um, but I feel like it's kind of weird. I feel like we're going to get a hold of this issue pretty quickly. And to me, number one, that's because we know. I'm putting air quotes. We know who's doing it. You know, it's not just random mm-hmm. acts. Um, and because of that limited ability, because it takes yeah. the the equipment and the know-how and the the ability to once you've stolen it, how do you you know how do you make money off of something you've stolen? So you have to already be in the industry. Yeah. You have to be in the industry. <laughs> and your your so your list of suspects is pretty low. So there are actually a couple of uh, police officers in California, in the Central Valley, in these different counties that have been assigned as kind of like bee detectives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool, right? Evan Anderson, bee detective. It was a cold evening in the hive. The brood were fast asleep. All of a sudden, I'm B. Sean Connery. B. Sean Connery. Sean B. Connery. (laughs) Bring me my mead, love. I actually do need some more mead. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Oh, my God. Should we try to throw the bottle? Uh, Yes. We're staying socially distant. Yes. I got this. I'm good at this kind of thing. Oh, that was... Too good of a throw. I needed a little bit of a challenge. I should have thrown like some spin on that, you know, like a little flip. Throw action. me my mead, damn it! <laughs> throw me my mead. I'm ready to drink. Hold my mead and watch this shit. <laughs> that's that's another one. All right, so there are these mead detectives, uh, and one of them uh, that I was, that was I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to the the video about it. But um, he was he's a beekeeper himself. Mm-hmm. This this uh, police officer, this B. Oh, I didn't know he was a beekeeper himself. Yeah, or at least one of them. I imagine there's multiples of them at this point. There's enough going on. Yeah, yeah. So he's in Butte County, and um, yeah, he he talked about you know just he just rolls up and it shows it on video. They videotape. He rolls up to this other beekeeper who's got this flatbed uh, or not. It was like a flatbed trailer uh, of beehives. And he starts questioning him. Hey, where'd you buy these? Oh, how many is there? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I know you're lying. And like the numbers are still on the bee, the beehives from this previous owner. Oh geez. And he turns them around and he rests him. He put, puts cuffs on him right there, right so on the video. You'll see a lot of beehives have names people. It's, it's pretty common to brand your name into the beehives in one, in one fashion or another second toss back. Ooh, a little more of a challenge. <laughs> um, yeah. So like branding almost, like cattle. Yeah, totally. And and for the exact same purposes. So that if somebody tries to snag your boxes or whatever, but it can be problematic because any longtime beekeeper, and this was this was our beekeeper's problem, Dennis's problem, was that like, yep, he had some hives stolen. And most of them were branded with his name, but he's gotten rid of boxes to other people. He sold beehives to mm-hmm. other people. So as soon as you start doing that with your brand on there, it's really hard to be like, well, cause that person could have sold that box to somebody else, somebody yep. else, somebody else. So like, I mean, we've got, we used bee boxes in the facade on the bar and built it with that. And there's five, six different companies that uh, have their names on those boxes. Yeah, that stinks too, because it's like a kind, you know, gesture to give, you know, for Dennis to give us bee boxes. Yet, 
Oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Al- alcohol abuse is spilled alcohol. on the table. Um, yeah, and that was one thing that was brought up also in this video was uh, they knew that this other, this original beekeeper had never sold his beehives to anybody else. So the excuse that the guy said like, oh, I don't know. I bought it off of a broker. He must have stolen it. It was non-valid. But another oh, thing about these brand... All ties together. Yeah. All this, all this branding um, on the beehives, they're made out of wood. So here's one of the issues. You could have yellow beehives with brown tops, but they could repaint over it. They can scrape off the branding. Yeah, so, you can sand them off. Yeah, so it's kind of a, a difficult situation. I don't know if I quite want to talk about some no, of the no, solutions No, no, no. We're going to get it. Okay. We're going to get it. Yeah, we're we'll get, we're getting into solutions later. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's um, another thing. Again, I'll link that to the, to the show notes if you want to watch that video. It's about five or six minutes long, um, but you get to see a a bee theft actually get uh, get arrested. <laughs> yes, that's so satisfying. It's like one of those satisfying YouTube videos, but like in a differenter way. Differenter. <laughs> um, well, I'm not using big words on this podcast today. No. I'm going with made up words. Ziz. Ziz, ziz, ziz. So we got these bee thieves and, or hive thieves. Um, and I just kind of wanted to throw in there that, that thievery with bees and honey is kind of a thing that everyone does anyway. The bees themselves, you mean? or Sure, the bees themselves and us as beekeepers. That's yeah, true. There's just a lot of taking. It is. It's, there's a lot of gray area in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So we do. I mean, we, we steal honey from the hives. Um, there's, there's really no other way to put it than that. I like to think that what we do as compensation for stealing these bees' honey is that we... You know, we give them treatments if they end up with some sort of a fungus or a parasite or whatever. Um, we give them food during the wintertime if we've mm-hmm. accidentally robbed them too much. Or with a young hive, if even if we haven't taken any honey off of them, it, uh, we feed them over the winter and we, we help bolster them as a whole despite the fact that we do steal their food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We give them housing that is... Um you know, good around any of the elements, yep. you know, we, we, we try to protect them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's kind of like any pet, if you will. Yeah. Like they might be able to be okay in the wild, but are it's we, like are a, we justifying right now? I think we are, <laughs> but we, yeah, we rob them of their, of their honey. In we a do. Sense. And they rob each other and they rob. Yeah. There is actually something called robbing. Yeah. It's a huge problem. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like it's a huge problem. I don't need to exaggerate that as much as I did. In, oh no, everybody. Oh, it's a roof on fire situation. Ah. No, it's a, I mean, it's just what they do. They do it all the time to each other. I mean, you've seen it at my house when like we have beehives that we've mm. extracted honey from, and then they're just kind of sitting around and then you'll get a ton of bees coming into them, just trying to, trying to rob the hive of, I mean, that's not really a hive at that point because we've pulled them off hives, but they'll, they'll go in and try to rob it. And they'll do that when there's an active beehive as well. Um, oh, yeah. but with most of the time, uh, the, the pheromone scent coming off of a bee from a different hive is significant enough that they will actually smell that on the bee that they are not part of, you're not part of our family. Mm-hmm. And they'll go ahead and rough that bee up and send it on its way. Yeah. Yeah. If they can, if there's not like, if they're not kind of slightly overwhelmed, um, right, and new so, hives will get will will get robbed every yes. once in a while and get overwhelmed. Yeah, because I mean, like I said, so a new beehive, you know, five thousand bees or something like that, and that's a spread across all the different duties, right? Bees, depending <laughs> on the hat duty, duty, depending on the age of the bee, they have different responsibilities within the hive, whether they're feeding the young or whether they're, you know 
collecting food or whether they're supposed to be feeding the queen. They kind of they kind of divide and conquer those responsibilities kind of based on how old the bee is, basically. At least that's my current understanding. Um, and so, you know, you have a hive of 5,000 bees and a, a big, healthy hive. I mean, you're talking, I don't know, 50,000 bees inside of a hive? Jeez. Yeah. So, like, they could easily just overwhelm a small hive and just, you know, take take it by force. Mm-hmm. Um, which they do sometimes it definitely happens. We've, we've had hives robbed for sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's, especially actually the, when they get a little bit of mite action going on, which is the current leading cause probably for colony collapse disorder is the veromite. You get a little veromite going on, it'll weaken the hive and then it doesn't have to be the veromite or the, or the, you know, diseases that the veromite brings in that kills the bees. It could be that they just get weakened by it and another beehive comes along and takes it over. Yeah. Your honey is mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh so, you know, I just wanted to kind of remember that there is a lot of robbing going on when there with is. honey and bees. Um it's cutthroat bee world. It is. And it doesn't just happen in California or these other places. Arizona has had a couple of cases in the recent future in the recent I bet, future. I no. bet there's I bet there's a whole lot more cases of it going mm-hmm. on than are often reported. Oh, absolutely. So like I don't I don't want to generalize, but beekeepers are often more like introvert kind of folk that are more likely to try to just like handle some problem on their own than bring in news and police and everything else. So I bet that it's far more prominent than we think it is. But, but I think our, our biggest example is we should probably just get to it. We keep tiptoeing around it is the, the, the one that happened in California. Okay. So 2017, um, they're guessing that this guy had actually probably been doing this for a few years. Um, and the guy's name, uh, the guy that one of the guys that was arrested for it, um, he's getting 10 years for it um mm. because of the amount that Ten he stole yeah the amount of grand of, theft yeah yep you got it um but his name is pavel i'm gonna butcher this tavera tanov he's not gonna care he's not gonna care he can't listen to podcasts <laughs> what if shit. he listens and he totally becomes a fan of ours oh that would be awesome <laughs> on some weird level yeah yeah pavel to it's t-v-e-r-e-t-i-n-o-v um mm. and he stole they're suspecting possibly upwards of 5,000 hives over a handful of years. Um, he was caught with enough to lock him up for 10 years. Hmm. So yeah, grand theft, which has got to be over, over 10 grand. I think so. Something yeah. like that. Um, there was another, he had a, a an accomplice, an accomplice. <laughs> Sweet. Is that a female accomplice? Yeah. Uh, an an accomplice. An accomplice. <laughs> but uh, the name is Vitaly Yoshinko. Mm. Yeah. That one was actually pretty bad. That's not too bad. That was nice. That was Vitaly nice. Yoshinko. You, you sound like you're straight um, out of a James Bond film. And there is currently a warrant out for Vitaly's arrest. Oh, so I don't know. Not, what, I don't know what Vitaly looks like, but uh, they're not going to be listening to this podcast, probably. Probably not. But if you know Vitaly Sh- Yoshinko, Yoshinko, um, you know, go go grab him or her, and yeah, uh, yeah turn him in for a nice little reward of a jar of honey. Yeah, <laughs> here's your jar of honey <laughs> for life. Yeah. Okay. So that so that's a big so five thousand, and you do a little quick math of like on the low end two hundred dollars per. Yep. Um, that's adding two zeros. That's adding three zeros. Three zeros. One, yeah. Two, so that's a million dollars. Yeah. Is my math correct on that? Mm-hmm. I would need a calculator. <laughs> but he, he took him. He took him from all across California. 
northern, southern, central, everywhere. He stole them from all across California. Um, and something that I found very interesting, and this is you know, very much a beekeeper that did the stealing here. He only took the strongest hives. Mm. So some of these people would come back sometimes only a day after they had set these bees down. And this was, he was stealing them primarily out of almond fields, um, but from other places mm. as well. But it was all from people bringing their beehives in to do a, a pollination event. And this guy sees that happening or knows, I don't, I don't know how he knows, but he would come usually that sometimes these people would drop the bees off there. They would, you know, go back to the hotel for the night, come back the next morning to check on their bees, see how they're doing. And, uh, and some of them would already be gone and he would trash a lot of the other stuff that like, you know, cause he would be popping open tops. And if he, if it wasn't a good beehive, he would just leave it. Mm. And, uh, then, you know, you get one rainstorm on top of an open hive and oh, really? it yeah. pretty much, it pretty much whacks the hive for the most part. I mean, you're getting wax, wax, <laughs> wax on. Wax off. So, yeah, and that's what would happen to the bees. They get whacked. So it was, you know, it's pretty pretty sad. But he was using them entirely for, I mean, he was probably selling the honey too. But um, but when it was written up, it was said that he was he was taking only the best hives and using them for pollination purposes. So that's kind of crazy. So he was meeting his contract needs. Yeah. Because, and it was because he had had significant loss in his own hives. Hmm. And he, it's kind of crazy to me that he's like there in California taking them from the almond farms and then I guess going to another almond farm and selling it. So totally. there's that many farms and that much demand that you could do that. There's not a whole lot of other things you could do that. You can't like, I don't know. I can't come up with something off the top of my head. I don't think like, there's anything else like it. There's yeah. And, and all of them are coming to you if you're in California. Yeah. You know, beekeepers from, I'm sure, even the East Coast send bees to California. I know, yes. At least as far east as Tennessee, I know for a fact, um, could be yeah. could be even further. I don't see why not. You yeah, know, I mean, if it's if it's whatever percentage it was of our bees that travels out there, the 60, 70% of the entire bee population, they got to be coming from everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Over 2 million hives are needed. 2 so. million. That's not, so I don't even want to think about the math of how many bees that is. So this, uh, this Russian dude is, what year was that? 2017? This is 2017. 2017. Yeah. So he's. It was when he was caught, 2017. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what kind of sentence he ends up serving. Yeah. Um, for. Six months for, with good behavior. For this theft. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and he was a victim of a victim. It's hard to call someone who does that a victom, but, uh, of, co of colony collapse, like, or mm -hmm. whatever happened to his hives. So he is known as a beekeeper. I want to start talking about solutions and, and like potential solutions and like, Oh, well, would, do you have Should some we, more cases? I have yeah. some sad. Oh, we didn't even talk I about Arizona. I, oh yeah. Yeah. We got to do Arizona and we got to talk about vandalism Yeah, because that's a huge issue for okay. me. Because I was a shithead of a child. I'm just going to sit back and listen to you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Evan's Pat. Do you need to lay down on the couch and talk about this? We're going to talk about this. I'm going to keep the speakers, the, the microphone and the headphones on. Okay. We're going to sit down and talk about this. All right. Tell me about vandalism. I got Evan. some things to get off my chest. Well, let's talk about the AZ first. The Because the, oh, okay. that was Dennis. So I know for a fact Dennis has had hives stolen. Yeah. And that um, was not something that I came across on my, my interweb search. So like you had just said before, there's probably a lot more cases than are put out there. Um, I only actually really came across two cases uh, down in the valley of bee theft. I'm not saying there's not more. Obviously, there is because Dennis, our mountaintop honey guy, had it happen to him as well. Mm -hmm. um, do you know any bit of the story of his? Um, I know his. I don't know the location they were at. I think they were somewhere. Um, 
in between, <laughs> this is a huge range, in between Camp Verde and Black Canyon. Well, that's not that big. It's like 40 miles yeah. range-ish. <laughs> but they were somewhere in that realm there. Beekeepers are kind of, it's kind of like having a good mushroom spot. Like you don't necessarily tell other people where you put your bees. Yeah. Cause it's, it's like having a good mushroom spot where like, you know, there's no, there's no friends when it comes to mushroom spots or, or <laughs> sweet bee spots or powder days. Yeah. Or powder days. Yeah. No, that was another big thing that one of these, uh, beekeepers, uh, actually the one down in, in the Valley in Arizona was saying, he's like, this had to be someone who knew what was up and knew me and knew my bees because like, I've got them basically hidden out here in the middle of nowhere that no one, you know, would know about. You don't just come across it and come steal some beehives. So yeah. he was, he had his just kind of, you know, in an area that, you know, he always Re had them. Yeah. Relatively secluded. It's a spot that he's used for years and years and years and years. Obviously, you know, not going to be using it anymore, but I think he lost like 40, 50 hives out really? of it. And yeah. Had somebody just, just the whole thing gone. Yeah. It's like, he shows up, he says, and it's like, I could have sworn I put bees here. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like, they're just gone. All yeah, of a sudden, you're gone. like, was I drunk yeah. when I put these here? How or? much mead did Evan feed me before yeah. <laughs> I went and put these here? Well, we might have to bring him on to, to talk a little bit about it. Um, yeah, definitely. Should have probably had him on for this episode, but we'll do a little auxiliary episode with him. I like so. it. Yeah, um, so bee theft right here, uh, Dringhorn Meadery Bees, where we get our honey. So close to home, if you will. Yeah, very close to home, for sure. Yeah, well, and then there's just uh, two other ones that I came across. There's one in Queen Creek, um, mm. uh, a, a bee um, a beekeeper there who had, uh, I think it was somewhere around $50,000 worth of hives mm -hmm. stolen. Um, and were they, were they in a resting spot or were they in a, were they, was he out using them as pollination? Uh, Ooh, I don't know. I'm not sure. No, no worries. Just curious. I'm yeah. just curious where, cause if it's like, you know, like the other guy that you were talking about when it's, if it's all happening during pollination, like, mm. that would be an interesting, I don't think so. I, I feel like it, well, no, it was in February. So maybe it was pollination because that's about when the citrus groves are popping off down in the valley as well. I know that for anybody who just got freaked out by saying the flowering happens in February. <laughs> Welcome to Arizona. Welcome to Arizona. <laughs> and California. Yeah. 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 Because the almonds uh, flower in early February um, mm -hmm. over there. So there was that one. Then there was another one in Safford and the one in Safford, they caught the guy, um, the person uh, who had stolen them. But I think the one in Quinn Creek, they didn't. Do you know how many he stole? The Safford guy? I don't know. Do you know how long of a term he got? I don't know. Ah, I'm so curious now. <laughs> I'm curious about the the consistency in sentencing for bee oh, thieves. Yeah, I mean, it's probably all over the place right oh, now. Yeah, I and imagine. it'll kind of maybe funnel in if it becomes a, yeah. or keeps being a problem. I'll, I'll have those links. In fact, I already do have uh, the videos and the articles linked up. Uh, just have to hit send on that so you can check out the, the links uh, in the show notes to those articles. Um, and, and the videos so you can find out some of those details that I forgot. Ah, we'll get them in there. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to, that, that covers our, our bee theft, at least our specific examples that we have for it. I have a, I have a ton of examples for bee vandalism. Cool. <laughs> I was giving it a pause there for, uh, for editing purposes. Um, no editing, you know that. I know. I'll say I'll <laughs> edit this out. And then <laughs> Don't censor me! <laughs> we'll just go in with them then. I don't know that I, we need to get into every single one of these because a lot of them are very, very similar. Mm. Um, but uh, I've got an example. I just have like a half a dozen examples here. Um, 2017 in Iowa, 
two teens were charged with three felonies, including criminal mischief, agriculture and animal facility offenses, and burglary. Whoa. Um, they, yeah, felonies. Dang. Shit's serious. Yeah, it's with serious. agriculture it is, I guess. Yeah, it, well, especially with agriculture for sure, right? Um, so, um, and these kids were, they were throwing rocks at hives is what they were doing. Well, it gets a little more like you think, oh, you threw a few rocks at a hive or something and make it buzz and then rough. you run off. Yeah. Well, they were throwing cinder blocks and, and logs oh. and they, they killed, I don't know, I don't know the number of hives, but it was significant enough to charge teenagers with felonies um so it's it's pretty serious iowa again in 2019 um same sort of thing kids damaging a bunch of stuff um the the beekeeper went out and saw 20 hives trashed and uh didn't do anything about it because it was like well hopefully these kids got stung in the face a bunch and they learned (laughs) their lesson went back the next day and there was another hive knocked over so he went ahead and called the cops and ended up getting all sorted out more kids charged with more felonies he called the cops yep i know a lot of other people in rural areas that would not call the cops that's not their first thought so good on you for calling the cops instead of handling it yourself <laughs> yeah good or on else you. you would probably have the felony yeah <laughs> so california 2018 um this is in i believe central valley um there was over a hundred beehives toppled and then the asshole poured diesel fuel on them oh weird like, my mind immediately goes to, like, a jaded lover situation. Right. A jaded <laughs> bee lover. Like, I don't know. I think um, the this one, there was nobody. I could be wrong in the... No, no, no. This one, somebody did end up getting charged with it, and it ended up being a neighbor um, that said that their kids were super freaked out about mm. the bees and were afraid to go outside and so on and so forth. So I think two points to take from this. Like if you're going to set up bees in your house or in your yard, not hopefully not in your house, <laughs> you're crazier than I am. If you're going to set up bees in your yard, like talk with your neighbors first and make sure, make sure your neighbors are chill with it. Um, also on the, on the note to that asshole who dieseled them where he, uh, he, uh, I just got distracted. Somebody was coming up to our door. Um, so the second note on someone who dieseled them. Yeah. So the, the guy who dieseled them, like you got to understand, like just seeing a beehive doesn't mean that you're going to get stung, especially if it's like English honeybee, Italian honeybee, Russian honeybee, they're super nice. So just because you see a beehive doesn't mean you need to panic. Um, so I panic sometimes when I see wasps on me. Ugh. I think a lot of people on you on me. Oh yeah. That's the um, reason to panic. You know what? It's not. On you? It's not a, a reason to panic. On your person. On me. On my person. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I've had it. I had it happen three times in the last week. Um, while I was messing with bees or while I was doing whatever, I had one hit me. I had a wasp hit me in the face the other day and crawl across my eyebrow while I was driving. Didn't even. I didn't even wiggle. Didn't even wiggle. But it's um. The point of that was just that, like, when you see them, don't just assume that they're going to go after you and sting you. Bees are super nice, generally. They're really not going to mess with you unless they feel like they themselves are threatened. And I know I say and have said previously wasps are assholes, but the same thing kind of goes for wasps, too. 
they're not necessarily just gonna mess with you for the fun of messing with you. Like <laughs> you're gonna have to you're gonna have to persuade me a lot harder on wasps. That's just it. me. I'm gonna show I, I'm gonna show you next time. I hate wasps. Next time I get a wasp on me, I'll be like, look at it, Nick. It's Ugh. not doing anything. Ugh. Now noted, this was not one of those like super segmented, long leggy, nasty looking wasps. This was not a tarantula wasp. This was one of like the little yellow jacket wasps. It was just like a little, just a little friendly guy. To continue the tangent, I do really like tarantula hawk wasps. They are the awesome. The hemipepsis, they're yeah. beautiful. They got those yeah. beautiful orange wings. Have um, you heard? I know this is a bit of a tangent in here, but we were talking about like the pollination of stuff. Well, let me let me get through let me get through my my last example. Continue of, with your vandalism. Yeah, we'll get through my vandalism before we talk about wasp pollination. <laughs> okay. If we talk about it, we can actually edit that one out. Uh, so Texas, 2019, um, 20 hives were knocked over and set on fire. <laughs> People, yeah, people hate bees, man. They're, the they're afraid of bees. Yeah, people are afraid of bees. But yeah, okay, sorry. Go ahead. No, and that's that's pretty much it on that one. Never caught anybody. No leads. No nothing. It's just it's just out there. Yeah. We have bee box. Like I said, the facade in the bar. There is actually a few of those bee boxes that have bullet holes in them that have uh, like bird shot in them. I'm guessing about a nine. You said bird shot. Bird shot. Okay. So like out of a so shotgun, sure. out of like a, it's a size of a shotgun shell that is relatively small pellets. Yeah. Like smaller than like BBs into a BB gun. You're talking like. Mm, teeny tiny. Teeny tiny and teeny tiny. It's made for whatever, it doesn't matter. But, um, <laughs> but they're very small shot. And that's, we have beehives that show evidence of vandalism on them. You can come check them out in our meat hall. Yeah. I think vandalism is, you know, it's it's kind of reckless and silly to do that. Um, but there is definitely an innate fear um, of bees for some people. And some people may have had a bad situation happen. Again, talk to your neighbors if you're going to have Just an FYI, beehives. being stung once is not a bad situation. Deal no, with the pain. No, but I'm thinking like if like my dog died because my neighbor had bees and it stung it and like, you know. And that neighbor should have checked with you yeah. if it was cool to put bees there. Yeah. Um, anyway, so. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Bee that bee vandalism. Um, some bad stuff here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you wanted to then uh, move into uh, leave the wasps alone. Should we for now? Yeah, we'll talk about wasps as pollinators later. Okay. Unless people are stealing wasps. No, no. <laughs> I don't think anyone's but stealing wasps. But it's just a, it's an alternative that has its whole own set of issues. Yeah? Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, if it fits here. Well, we might as well. We dragged it out long enough. We might as well just say it's just a quick episode. I don't have a whole lot more on this. Um, I'm definitely going to put in some more research to it. Um, but in some places, people are using wasps as pollinators instead of honeybees. Um, and Nick is just over there shaking his head, imagining I a whole bunch of wasps. Now, some no. of these, some of these, Grant Ed, Grant, Grant Ed, Grant Ed, some of these are extremely tiny wasps, like, like smaller than mosquitoes. What is this? A wasp for this, ants? The center has to be at least three times bigger than this. <laughs> but they really are. They're super tiny. Um, and so they are relatively effective pollinators. They also remove pests out of a garden if you're using them as a pollinator in your garden, which isn't a bad thing. But what gets forgotten is that uh, they also just kind of indiscriminately kill everything. So there's a lot of native caterpillars right now that are having really, really tough times. Oh, no. uh, monarch being one of them, mm. swallowtails being another one, um, that are, their populations are being decimated right now by people importing wasps, because that's the other problem is they're, they're imported non-natives, um, bringing these guys in. They pollinate, but they also love to eat all these 
caterpillars. And so like, it's, it's the classic, you know, cane toad, like, Hey, we bring in this animal for this one problem. And then it didn't do what we thought it would. (laughs) Biocontrol is no job for amateurs. No, no. I don't know that it's a job for anybody. Leave the animals where they are. Except as my students will note, uh, in uh, Lake Victoria, uh, the, the weevil Uh, that took care of water hyacinth. Yes. Anyway, for the, there are a few very small chance. examples. There's actually a fish that was being used to help eradicate zebra mussels. Hmm. Um, mostly effective. Mostly yeah? effective. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even yeah. hear about that. Yeah, it's interesting. So wasps being brought in as pollinators, I am just, ugh, I just, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe someday I will learn to like the wasps as well. I just had one outside while I was soaking our barrel in the back they came in for a drink and yeah, i was like I, I heard the scream from inside you, you heard that yeah okay yeah uh, no. it sounded like a man for sure <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> and i was looking at it and i was like do i squash it with my foot while it's drinking water and i didn't good good um, i'm changing but, i'm changing my personal tune on wasps yeah and just as far as native wasps go now you bring in wasps to pollinate something instead of bringing in bees i'm gonna step all over those wasps <laughs> step all over them. Ah, i probably won't all right, so we've got this problem of bee theft. Uh, let's talk about solutions. What, what is it? What did you find, and and what did I find as far as uh, potential solutions to help either slow down or stop these bee thefts? Well, I mean, the law enforcement—that was a oh, huge yeah. aspect for it in California. Actually, mm-hmm. making a law enforcement division sector. Well, I don't know, whatever I jargon. Think they just chose yeah, one or two guys. Uh, yeah, you guys are the bee guys now. Yo, Jim, you got a beehive, don't you? He's you like, like yeah. He's yeah. like, guess what? Your new job is. And you're working with Bob because he puts honey in his tea every day. Yeah. Take that, Bob. <laughs> We're in New York here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think that's pretty cool. Like setting up divisions that are specifically focused on that sort of a thing, um, I think is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that helps a lot. I mean, obviously, like finding a way to, to tag your box. And if you're going to sell a beehive, make sure that you sell that sell that beehive to somebody in a box that is a blank that doesn't have your name on it, Mm. you know? So just if you're, if you're an emerging beekeeper out there listening to this, looking into doing it commercially, you know, be, be mindful, be mindful of who you sell a box to and what is on that box. Because, you know, like we had the examples going both directions there where somebody had sold a bunch of beehives. And so if there was other hives out there that had his name on it, well, wouldn't mean much. Mm-mm. And then we had the other example where the person who had beehives with their name and number and everything on it had never sold any hives. And so if you find hives out there with his name on it, you know, it's stolen. It's stolen goods. Yeah. So I think that's something just for people to think about, you know, start implementing it into your own practices. It sucks to have to put a whole bunch of effort into anti-theft. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it's, it's worth it. Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting point to, to bring up to before you sell or, or give away um, a beehive, um, that it is, uh, maybe you just sand off your, your, yeah. uh, your branding. If you yeah. Will. Sand it off. Yeah. Hm. It just, that's, it's 35 seconds of the belt sander. You yeah. fixed your problem. Yeah. So, and I know that's like, yeah, there's some of these guys selling 400 hives at a time. And I know that that's a little different scale, mm-hmm. but yeah. still like it, you know, it, it's just, it's one way to ensure that for yourself. Yeah. And then, I mean, just, I know it's, it's kind of a lackadaisical, it seems like uh, industry in, in a sense where you might not even have like serial numbers and bill of sale and that kind of thing, like tracking wise to see yeah. who bought what. Um, it seems like from what I saw, it's just, these guys are saying, well, I bought it from some random other beekeeper, yep. you know, no paperwork, nothing like that. Yep. Um, one kind of technological 
thing that I saw that I looked into was GPS trackers. Oh yeah, yeah. You gonna, you gonna, oh yeah. You gonna low jack your beehive? Basically, what people are doing, yeah, they're uh, they're putting in GPS trackers. Um, these these trackers are rather expensive. Um, I saw one thing that said that plus a subscription, you know, of like the GPS and that kind of thing runs about $200 for it, but you don't have to put it in every single hive because people aren't coming in and just stealing one hive. They're stealing a handful of them. So if you put one in every like 10th hive or one in every 50th hive, yeah, 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 one every certain amount, then you can um, track these things. And one of my saw was kind of neat. Uh, the battery can last five to six months in it uh, because it only turns on when it feels that it's been moved. Oh, that's nifty. Yeah. So the, so the battery, the little radio waves, all that stuff is just not on until it feels it's been moved and then it kicks on. That's like a little, like uh, what's the tracker that backpackers use the spot. spot. Yeah, yeah. That's the same sort of, same sort of thing where it's not going to, it's not going to do anything until it sees it moving. Yeah. It goes on pause yeah. Yeah, and then it'll send you a little uh, text or an email saying your hive's moving. Here's the exact location so you can figure it out. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So GPS tracking was a, a solution that, that looked like it was. I mean, honestly, if you have a thousand, two thousand hives, it might be a good investment. Yeah, yes. yeah. Which, like, for just for people's perspective, like two thousand hives is a significant operation. Yeah, significant operation. That's that's a, a large company that is, yeah, dealing with bees. How many? Do you know about how many hives at all Dennis has? Eighteen hundred. Oh, 1800. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, that's what I mean. Like that's a, you know, and he's got a, it's a full blown honey operation oh, that yeah, sells huge. honey to us and all over the state. All the grocery stores. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I follow them around on delivery days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other solutions you came across? Those were the big ones that I saw was the, the low guard jacking dogs. and the, yeah, some guard oh, dogs that have shoot bees, bees out of their on. mouth. Oh, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, you know, and it's hard when things get stolen like so quickly when it's just like an overnight. I think the the low jack idea, the GPS tracker is a pretty, that's a pretty nifty way of doing it. And being that like, you know, these, when they go out to pollinate these hives too, you also got to understand that they're only going out for three weeks, something like that, you know, because these, these almond trees only have flowers for, for so long. And so you got to be pollinating within their, within their flowering range. And it's not a, like most plants, it's not a super long time. So like, if you have a, if that battery lasts six months, like you only really even need it for like six weeks, maybe at most, you know? So that's, that's, I think that's a pretty cool way of doing it. Yeah. I'm just imagining like cyborg beehives. They got like trackers and they just like defend themselves Defend themselves yeah 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 Yeah. like uh was uh there's like a naked gun uh those movies back in the day and there's the anti-graffiti walls as soon as it detected someone spraying on it it would spray them (laughs) that would be awesome yeah that's like the uh the beehives that we have you know that have been shot up and stuff i'm always like man i really hope that the bees just stung the piss out of you Yeah. yeah yeah Which then perpetuates more anger towards bees, which could have... It does. It really does. Shooting so, it more. <laughs> parents of children out there, teach your, teach your kids that bees aren't bad. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty damn awesome, and it's too bad that they're being stolen, but it seems to me, again, I'm hopeful that we're getting a hold on this situation 
Um, and, uh, you know, in a time that beekeepers are already having their own issues with varroa mite and pesticides and climate change, they don't need this <laughs> yeah. adding to it. If it wasn't hard enough already, <laughs> folks. Yeah. And remember, we're talking about one third of your food being pollinated by this. All yeah. right. So, and, and the only reason it's that low, I mean, not low, that's huge, but like it would be much higher if this country didn't use corn so much, which is wind pollinated, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it'd be even higher. So if it's not like a high fructose corn syrup item, you can jack that number up to probably, you know, like half of the crops that you actually enjoy as produce yeah. um, are, are pollinated by bees. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting it, talk. It um, is. And I mean, it's something that like drinking horn as a, as a company, we're trying to, to push things towards bees being worth their honey, mm-hmm. make the honey mm-hmm. worth the money. So that pollinators don't have to go out and produce to be able to make their, their livelihood that they can just really take good care of bees and sell the honey and Mm. not need to pollinate. That requires a lot of other changes in our agricultural system and so on and so forth. But you know, I'd love to, I'd love to see that down the line. Bees deserve respect too. (laughs) They do. And we try to give it to them uh, in this podcast. So if you love bees and you, uh, you know, want to give a shout out to them, Support honey, support a beekeeper, support uh, mead. <laughs> of course, we're going to say that. Um, and, and that way you'll be supporting the bees. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, always, uh, if you have any questions that we didn't cover or thoughts or ideas or, or heck, uh, better yet, a story that has to do with bees and bee theft. Yes. Um, hit us up uh, on any of the channels, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, this podcast, comments, direct message, Nick at DrinkingHornMeadery.com, whatever. We'll find it. Uh, hit us up and we'd love to talk to you about it. Um, but yeah. Absolutely. Well, I am Evan Anderson. And I am Nick Irvin. And you have been listening to the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Meadcast, 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 Meadcast. Outro music and some bee noises and Sean Connery. <laughs> 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 <laughs>